Hi, Grace. Hey, Quinn. How are you? Splendid. Really? No. <laughs> Welcome to therapy. Um, I. We only have nine more days left of this quad. I'm so sad. I'm not. No, because I love my English class. I okay, but like you have your English teacher as your history teacher next quad okay, master, so true. you're not leaving her. True. I am kind of worried because you know nine more days left of math, and we still have to learn like half of quadratics and all of trigonometry. But like, mm. eat. Um, guess what? What? I had therapy yesterday, and I forgot about it, and so now I've been at therapy for two weeks, three weeks, two weeks. That's how long I have in between my therapy. I usually have it every week, but we didn't yeah. have one last week, and I didn't have one this week, and so now I've been yeah. like two weeks, and I felt really bad, and I kind of had a mental breakdown about it, but I'm fine. Nope. It's okay. I've missed her therapy before by accident, because she sent my mom the wrong time. But this Rosemary, if you're listening, actually, she, like, sent my mom the right time, but then on, like, the, my mom told me the wrong time because it said, like, the wrong time on, like, something else. It was a whole big misunderstanding. Rosemary, it, it, she might be listening. I don't know. If you are Rosemary, Grace is sorry. Hi, Rosemary. I'm really sorry, and I hope you got my emails because I don't think you got it yet. She probably is going to be like, oh, no. This is why I'm in pencil her in for emergency. Ah! My markers all just fell on the floor. Nice. Oh no. Um. Yeah. Guess what I'm doing after this. What are you doing after this? I'm gonna watch the Taylor Swift Reputation Stadium tour on my flat screen TV. Fun. Instead of my computer. Well, actually, just like the last hour of it, because I haven't actually finished it yet. Um. Yeah. I I don't know anymore, guys. That's fun. Um. Yeah. So, you know what we're here to do today, Grace? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really anxious. (laughs) This has been one of the joys of my life has been hiding this from you. I'm kidding. It's actually not been a joy. It's just been like a thing. So, (laughs) 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 I wanted to do this entire episode on Margaret Poole, but um, the books on her, none of them had like PDF copies online and I don't trust get the my ability to get it from the library in time um because you know it takes time now because you have to like wait for them to have it ready um so we're doing two people because (laughs) i just found yeah in one it's not really they don't really have that much on them because i um used the websites Mm -hmm. websites yeah um so we're going to talk about two women that were close to her in her early childhood and then the second one close to her later in life as well margaret pole could be close to her later in her life because margaret pole got beheaded but <laughs> yeet could you imagine though like i know that like mary doesn't like Anne, but like that is still like her sister's mom True. Now, yeah, she was like, yes, thank God she's dead. But, like, so, like, that's, like, a mother figure of someone um, in, you know, Henry's kids' lives. And then he beheads Margaret Pohl, who's a mother figure to Mary. Like, does he just have, like, no sympathy for these children? I don't think so. And then Edward, like, I mean, <laughs> when we talk about Catherine Hyde, we're going to see that, like, she really was, she kind of made more of an effort to see Elizabeth than the other two. But, like, 
Edward Edward was little like small enough when she was queen that she would have been a mom figure to him too and then he's like yeet I'm gonna take that away but yeah so we're gonna talk about Lady Margaret Paul and then um Lady Frances Brandon who is uh Grandpa Charles and Grandma Mary's daughter okay yeet not the one that I'm descended from, Eleanor. She we didn't got enough stuff on her to talk about her. She just kind of was like born and then died, you know. I mean, she does have a Wikipedia page, but like, it was not substantial enough to really utilize it. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I don't even know anymore. Let's get this bread. Let's eat this oh wheat. My God. <laughs> <laughs> memories are flooding back oh <laughs> remember when we can actually go in each other's houses oh my god remember when it wasn't freezing outside on your porch because bestie um i'm making you watch like something with me soon oh, I know. um you're always planning something <laughs> i love it it's okay <laughs> ah! Um, that sounds like a, a goose dying. Um, <laughs> we need to like watch the Pitch Perfect movies. Can we actually like on Netflix? Yes, Netflix. Party. Um, yeah, oh, on Netflix party. You. This sucks. Well, we saw the first one together. <laughs> I literally just want to watch the second one because you know who is in it. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't hear you anymore, and I'll just cut out all in one. I hear you. Someone called me. Oh, who? I don't know. It looked like my grandparents' number, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, well... I don't know. Whoever that was just called me. But yeah, we need to watch Pitch Perfect 2 um, and I mean, Pitch Perfect and then Pitch Perfect 3. Literally. I, I literally don't even know what happened There's in like Pitch Perfect 3. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually watched Pitch Perfect 3 like in theaters, I think. I think I did too. There, yeah. Um, did we see it together? No. No, it was in 2017. I think I saw it with, like, it says, following their win at the World Championship, the now-separated Bellows reunite for one last singing competition and overseas USO tour. Is that the one with, like, the Germans? Yes. Yeah. That's okay. the one where they're, like, an acapella group and everyone, and they're just, like, doing cover songs and everyone's yes. like, sitting on them because, like, oh, you do cover songs? Glee. <laughs> I think it's time to talk about the fact that Pitch Perfect couldn't have happened without Glee. True. So I feel like you can't be obsessed with Pitch Perfect and then like um poop on Glee. Glee is on Disney Plus now. Yeah, I know. Have you read the descriptions? No. They're the dumbest episode descriptions ever. Yeah, this is part of our long con to become a Pitch Perfect podcast. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah, we can't become a Glee con- podcast because that would steal the deal from um, Jenna and Kevin and Lena and Ian, <laughs> my best friends. Literally, I like text them like every day. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, let's actually Anyways, get started. <laughs> okay, so Margaret Pohl was the Countess of Salisbury, but like obviously she wasn't when she was born. That's not how it works. Um, she was born 
on the 14th of August, 1473. Um, nothing notable in my life happened on that day. Wait, that's the day before I broke both my arms when I was uh, <laughs> nine. Yeah. Nice. Um, and she died. She died on May 27th, 1541. Um, yeah, nothing happened on that day either. I'm pretty sure that's like ha- something there happened with like Henry Nance coronation. But yeah, she was an English purist, obviously, since Countess. That's how it works. She was the daughter of George, the Duke of Clarence, who was the brother of Richard III and Edward IV, which means that she was their niece. So here's the thing. She is um, a niece to two kings, cousin to a king, because Henry, cousin to a queen, because his mom, um, this girl is well connected. Yes. Pop off. Um, she was one of two women in 16th century England to be a peeress in her own right with no titled husband. The other one was Anne, but literally like a year or two after she got a titled husband. So, <laughs> yeah, but Margaret got hers for like slightly more, you know, chill reasons than Anne got hers. Not to like badmouth Anne because we love her, but like Margaret got it because like it was like her birthright. Anne got it because Henry was like, well, if I- we have bastard kids, they need to like inherit a good title. Also, he was like, no one can say that my wife is lowborn. She's the Marquess of Pembroke. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was one of the few surviving members of the Plantagenet dynasty, which is the ruling dynasty of England for like 400 years until Henry Tudor came and was like, haha, it's me now. Um, yeah. And she was executed. Yeet. Um, as, in one 15, <laughs> as one is. Um, in 1541 at the command of her Second cousin Henry VIII. Well, Henry has like a really he had a lot of like family issues. Um, pope Leo the Thirteenth. I don't know who he is. He's a pope. Um, the pope. He he beatified her as a martyr for the Catholic Church on December 29th, my dad's birthday, eighteen eighty six. Not my dad's birthday. Um. <laughs> That means that when, you, like, Catholic people refer to her or whatever, she technically has the title of Blessed before her name. So she'd be, like, the Blessed Margaret Pohl um, because she died as a martyr for, like, she didn't really die for her faith. But, like, I guess that's how they see it. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, like, pop off because she's a Catholic. So that's, like, really exciting for her. Go her. Um, I think I'd like to have Blessed before my name for the rest of the time. <laughs> so, um. Margaret was born at Farley Hungerford Castle. Farley, you know, um, Fudge, like Judy Bloom Fudge. Yeah. Isn't that his name? Farley. Oh. It's not spelled the same way, but yeah, Farley Fudge. Um, in Somerset, she was the only surviving daughter of George Plantagenet, the first Duke of Clarence, and his wife, Isabel Neville, who was the elder daughter of Richard Neville, who was the 17th Earl of Warwick, Katie and Nathan from Queen's Podcast call him War Dick. And you know what? <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> and his wife, Aunt de Beauchamp, who was the 16th Countess of Warwick, because that's how it works when you marry the 16th Earl of Warwick. Um, Margaret's grandfather, War Dick, um, was killed fighting against Margaret's uncle, Edward IV. Yeah. I see. At the, <laughs> the Battle of Barnet. Um, her father, who was already the Duke of Clarence, um, was then created the Earl of Salisbury, end of Warwick. Um, yeah. 
Edward the Fourth declared that Margaret's younger brother Edward should be known as the Earl of Warwick as like a courtesy title because like his dad is a duke, so they're like he could be the Earl. Which that happened to like George Boleyn when um Thomas Boleyn got raised to like Earl of Wiltshire. George became like Viscount Rochford. Anyways, um, no peerage ever got like formally created for him because spoiler alert, he got not locked up in the tower. Wow. Our, Margaret would have had a claim to the earldom of Warwick because you know her mom was the elder daughter and that um, her grandparents never had any sons so like Margaret is like next in line technically yeah but uh the earldom was forfeited when her brother was attained and you know killed mm. so fun um Margaret's mom Isabel died when she was three yay <laughs> um and her father then had two servants killed who he thought poisoned her. Oh. Yeah. So if you read, um, oh my god, I literally can't even remember her name. That's so bad. Philippa Gregory. <laughs> god, someone shoot me. Um, she has her Wars of the Roses series, and one of them is about Anne Neville, who's like Isabel Neville, Margaret's mom's sister. And um, it kind of talks about that part. Margaret has her own book, but, you know, she's kind of, like, already, like, an adult when it happens, so she's three right now. She ain't uh, telling the story of a book. (laughs) Um, And in Anne's story, I'm not, like, 100% sure if this is accurate, but I'm sure that it probably makes sense, because um, George, Duke of Clarence, had the servants killed because he thought that Edward IV's wife, Elizabeth Woodville, poisoned them, like, poisoned Isabel. Because they had this whole theory that, like, Elizabeth Woodville was a witch. Story for another time. We might talk about her later. Um, George then plotted against Edward IV because, you know, Edward IV is the first son. George is the second son. So technically he would be next in line after all of Edward's children. Well, sons. Um, And then George was attainted and executed for treason. Woo! Not fun. Um, So now both of her parents are dead. Oh. Yeah. She's like four or five yeah um george is the one that might have been at that might have asked to be executed in a barrel of malmsey wine because elizabeth woodville loved malmsey wine and he was like this is a big bleep to you elizabeth yeah we don't know if that like actually happened or if it was like a myth but it's fun to think about (laughs) um and george's lands and titles were also forfeited to the crown so like they ain't got none of those titles no more Mm mm-hmm so Edward the Fourth died when Margaret was ten. So yeah, I don't I don't know how sad she was about that. Probably sad because you know he was her uncle and he was pretty chill. And also he died very very suddenly of like a cold, and he was like forty something. Yeah. Um. And then her uncle Richard, Duke of Gloucester, um, he had Edward's marriage declared in- invalid. Um. And then his children were therefore bastards because, you know, Edward and Elizabeth never got married. Um, And since Margaret and her brother Edward weren't allowed to succeed to the throne because their dad was executed for treason, um, Richard took the crown and became king because technically Margaret's brother Edward should have, like, succeeded before him. But he's not allowed because his dad was killed. Yeah. Um, Richard III was married to Anne Neville, who was Margaret's aunt. So, yeah, the Nevilles, like, really got their feet into, uh, you know, the English line of succession. Didn't they? Yeah. 
Um, Richard III sent, like, all the children, like, the little children, Margaret and Edward, to Sheriff Hutton Castle in Yorkshire. Shire? I literally can't talk. Um, he was defeated and killed in 1485 at the Battle of Bosworth by Henry Tudor, who then succeeded him as Henry VII. Hmm. Wow. Um, the new king married Margaret's cousin. <laughs> this girl is just so, like, interconnected. Um, Elizabeth of York who was Edward IV's daughter, and Margaret and her brother were then taken into their care. So the king and queen were like, we got you. It's all good. Because they're like, wait, when was she born? 1473. It's like 1485. She's like 12. (laughs) They can't just send her off into like nowhere. And Edward is younger than her too. So like. Love that. Just send off some random kids. Um, Unfortunately, Margaret and Edward were like close. I mean, they kind of would have to be, or they would have to be, like, really distant. Because, you know, they ain't got no parents. Um, They've only really had each other for, like, a long time. Um, He, because he was a potential York claimant to the throne, since his, uh, you know, claim to the throne was technically stronger than Henry VII, he was moved to the Tower of London. Yeah, put into prison. Uh At, like, young age, like, in his, like, he was, like, 10 12 yeah thanks henry the seventh <laughs> yeah elizabeth of york just had to be like oh you're throwing my cousin in the tower that's nice <laughs> um edward was like briefly displayed in public at saint paul's cathedral in 1487 in response to the presentation of the imposter lambert simnel um as the earl of warwick to the irish lords so basically like this imposter guy lambert was like I'm actually the Earl of Warwick. Um, yeah, Edward is actually like not in the tower anymore. I'm Edward, so like I should have the throne. And then Henry was like, actually, um, here's Edward right here. I have him. Who are you? <laughs> um, so that's that's why they did that. Um, shortly thereafter, probably in November 1487. So she's 14. I can't. I I've been doing math all day. Okay, I literally <laughs> did. 55 questions as an assignment that like I'd actually hand in um and then we had four no three um desmos activities that were like 11 questions (laughs) I know but I like it when like I have to do homework and I just like check my answers um and then I also had a test this morning so it's just not been like a fun day (laughs) yeah um Margaret gets married um to Henry gave her in marriage to his cousin Eat. Um, probably to be like, well, now you're in my family, so don't like try and take over from me. <laughs> She's like, bruh, I don't want to. I'm a 14 year old girl. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Richard's mom was the half sister of Henry's mom, Margaret Beaufort. Yeah. Um. Then another pretender comes along, Perkin Warbeck. Why do they all have such weird names? Wow. <laughs> Um, he impersonates Edward IV's um, probably dead son, Richard, um, Duke of York, in 1499. But unfortunately, um, he gets, like, Perkin put, gets put into the tower. And then um, Edward, like, Earl of Warwick and Perkin Warbeck get, um, like, attainted and executed because the guards, like, they found evidence. I'm putting evidence in finger quotes um, that they were trying to escape. Right. 
Um, so here's the thing that was probably planted evidence because um, Isabel of Castile and Ferdinand of Aragon were there's like they probably said um, we aren't going to let Catalina Catherine come over to marry Arthur until there's no one that could possibly take the throne away from our daughter. And Edward of Warwick has a claim to the throne. Chop. Um, yeah. So oh. also here's the thing, like Edward has been in a tower um, with like no human interaction since he's like early, early teens, tweens. Um, so his mental state, like he's not the brightest. He's kind of very like his brain doesn't really work the way it's supposed to for his age. So, um, yeah, he probably actually didn't really know what he was doing if they did get him to, like, participate in this plot. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad, because he didn't really do anything. Except for be born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Margaret's, well, I mean, she's not having, like, the greatest time, because her brother just got killed. Um, but because Richard Pohl holds a variety of offices in Henry VII's government... Um, the highest he had was Chamberlain for Arthur, Prince of Wales. And when Arthur um, married Catherine of Aragon, Margaret, because like Richard was going with Arthur to Ludlow, Margaret becomes one of Catherine's ladies in waiting. And she's one of like the chief ones because like she's pretty high ranked because, mm-hmm. you know, she's related to the whole royal family. Um, but obviously, uh, Catherine's entourage was dissolved when Arthur died. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Then things get worse for Margaret. Oh, great. Yay. <laughs> Her husband dies. Oh, poor babe. In 1505, um, Margaret becomes a widow with five children. Oh, yeah. Um, she doesn't really have very much land that she's inherited from her husband because, you know, it's like her widow's jointure. She doesn't actually get all this stuff because it's 1505. Um, she doesn't have any other income because it's 1505. Um, and she doesn't have any possible prospects to uh, be married to, right? To you know, get her some money. Um, Henry the Seventh paid for Richard's funeral because you know it's his cousin. Um, but yeah, Margaret isn't really getting any money from Henry. It's worth noting that Elizabeth of York is dead by now, um, and after Elizabeth died, Henry became a lot. Um, more mean with uh, giving out money and became like very obsessed with like hoarding his wealth um so yeah he's not giving out any money to his dead wife's cousin right yeah um to ease the situation um margaret gave her third son reginald pole to the church we know reginald pole grace he's the one who in the tutors literally where we are is trying to overthrow henry oh yeet um (laughs) he has (laughs) an eventful career um, as Papal Legate and later Archbishop of Canterbury. I think that's when Mary was queen. Um, but unfortunately, Reginald resents Margaret's abandonment of him bitterly when he's older. So he's, like, mad at her, even though, like, what was she supposed to do? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, additionally, Margaret, because she didn't have, like, any money to support herself and her children, um, had to live at Sion Abbey among nuns um, until she returned to favor when Henry became king in 1509, Henry VIII. Wow. Sion Abbey, fun story, is where Catherine Howard was, like, imprisoned until she went to the tower and got her head chopped off. Wow. That's not fun. Yeah. Fun fact, actually really, really sad. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, when Henry came to the throne in 1509, 
Um, he married Catherine of Aragon himself. We all know how that ended. Um, <laughs> Margaret was, again, appointed one of her ladies-in-waiting, one of her chief ladies-in-waiting. They're kind of like friends, low-key. Um, in 1512, Parliament restored to her, so they gave her back some of her brother's lands, um, only of the Earldom of Salisbury. But now she's a countess, so pop off. <laughs> um, so she gave them 5,000 marks for it. I don't know. I don't know why she had to pay for her own mm-hmm. stuff, but um, yeah. The same act that they passed also restored her the Earldom of Salisbury, which means she's officially the Countess. Um, but unfortunately, the Warwick and Spencer dispenser lands remain crown property. I don't know if those Spencer lands um, eventually become Spencer, which becomes Lady Diana Spencer, which becomes Diana Princess of Wales, which becomes Harry and Meghan and Archibald. <laughs> His name's just Archie. It's not Archibald. <laughs> but it's not Archibald, it's just Archie. <laughs> but yeah, like a Lady Diana, Princess of Wales, is Lady Diana Spencer. So that probably um, somehow becomes her family's. Yeah. Yeah. As Countess of Salisbury, um, Margaret managed her lands well. And by 1538, she was actually the fifth richest peer in England. Pop off, mm. my love. Um, she was a patron of the new learning, so she likes learning. I don't know, like a lot of Renaissance nobles. Um, Gent- Gentian Hervé, or Hervet, um, translated Erasmus's De Immensa Miser- Misericordia Die, the great mercy of God, that's what it is in English, um, into English for her. Um, her first son, Henry Pole, was then created Baron Montague, which was another of her mom's titles. Mm. So they're given those back. Um, he spoke for the family in the House of Lords. Her second son, Arthur Poole, had a pretty successful career. Um, he became one of the six gentlemen of the Privy Chamber. Look at that. Look at him go. But Arthur suffered a setback when his patron, Edward Stafford, third Duke of Buckingham, was convicted of treason in 1521. That's the one in the Tudors that like had like the red hair and he died like in the first episode and you were like, oh my Already god, murdered. people are getting executed. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this is normal. Get used to it. <laughs> you haven't even seen the lady get like burned really graphically yet. Oh. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of okay. sad. But um, Arthur soon was restored to favor. He died young. Sorry. Yeah. In about 1526, um, he married the heir of Richard Lucnor, Constance, I think. But, like, in the book about Margaret Pole that Philippa Gregory wrote, it, like, made me really uncomfortable because they, did, like, didn't want um, Constance, like, Margaret and her older son, Henry, like, basically pressured Constance into becoming a nun so that they could take the money that was supposed to be hers and, like, her widow's jointure and give it to the kids. Because mm. they were pole children. So basically they were like, don't you want to be a nun? And she was like, no, not really. And they're like, you want to be a nun? She's like, no. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that made me really kind of uncomfortable. But, yeah. Margaret's daughter, Ursula. What a name. Wow. Um, she married the Duke of Buckingham's son, Henry Stafford. But after the Duke uh, was executed, um, the couple was only given fragments of his estates. So, like, it was a really good match for Ursula when it happened, but then after it didn't really work out so well. Margaret's third son, as we already kind of discussed, um, studied abroad in Padua. He was dean in Exeter and Wimborne Minister. I'm going to say that's supposed to be minister. 
Um, he had several other like things, but he was not ordained a priest yet. Um, he represented Henry in Paris in 1529, um, trying to persuade the theologians to support Henry's divorce from Catherine. I don't know how his mom would have thought about that because she was heavily on Catherine's <laughs> side. But whatever. Um, yeah. Margaret's own favor at court kind of varied up and down. Um, she had a dispute over land with Henry in 1518. Um, he awarded the contested lands that, like, they were trying to talk about to the Dukedom of Somerset, um, which was now, like, in possession of the crown. The Dukedom of Somerset later becomes Henry's bastard son's dukedom. <laughs> um, in 1520, Margaret gets appointed um, governess to Mary. Yay! And so it begins. Um, But the next year she was removed, but she was restored by 1525. When Mary was declared a bastard in 1533, Margaret wouldn't give Mary's, like, gold plates and jewels back to Henry. Henry was like, "Um, I'd like them back. And Margaret was like, hell to the no. These are your daughters. You can't have them. I'm keeping them for her. She really, like, cares about her. Um, Mary's household was broken up in the end of the year and Margaret asked if she could serve Mary at her own cost. She was like, could I just stay with her and like, I'll pay for it myself. Like, she just needs a familiar face. And Henry was like, no. No. Um, Two years later, Eustace Chapuis um, suggested that Mary be handed over to Margaret. But Henry refused um, because he was in his hating Mary phase then. Right. That man. I don't even know. (laughs) Um, In 1531, Reginald Poole was like, I guess he'd switched up because two years before he was like, hey, um, priest men, you should give Henry a divorce. But now he's writing that the Boleyn marriage is going to be a danger. Um, (laughs) Chapuis suggested to Emperor Charles V that Reginald actually marry Mary Tudor so that they could combine their dynastic claims because, you know, Mary's got, like, the Tudor claim and Reginald does technically have that Plantagenet mm-hmm. claim to the throne. Um, Chapuis also communicated with Reginald through his brother Geoffrey. Um, Re- Reginald replied to books that Henry sent him with his own pamphlet, um, which denied Henry's position on the marriage of a brother's wife and also denied, like, that the king was mm-hmm. more important than the pope. Um, Reginald also urged the princes of Europe to dis- dispose of Henry immediately. Right. So, yeah. Henry wrote to Margaret because he's like, yo, your son is kind of being a bit of a traitor. Um, and Margaret was like, oh, shoot, let me get on that. And she wrote, she wrote to her son a letter reproving him for his folly. Um, in May 1536, Reg- Reginald finally and like definitively broke with the king. So he's like, bah! <laughs> Um, after Anne was arrested and executed, Margaret was permitted to return to court, but only briefly. Um, in 1537, Reginald, who still wasn't an ordained priest, was created a cardinal. Um, I don't know how he could do that with, like, being a priest, but I guess having, um, you know, nepotism works, too. Um, Pope Paul III put him in charge of organizing assistance for the Pilgrimage of Grace, um, which was like an effort to organize a march on London to install a conservative Catholic government instead of Henry's increasingly Protestant leaning one. Um, neither Francis of France nor the emperor supported this effort, and the English government tried to have Reginald assassinated. <laughs> um, 
As part of the investigations into the so-called Exeter conspiracy, um, Jeffrey Pohl was arrested in August 1538. Um, he'd been corresponding with Reginald. Reginald just being a little butt. <laughs> he doesn't even ever get, like, arrested. He's just, like... Um, yeah. Jeffrey... Like, I don't know. Jeffrey had appealed to Thomas Cromwell um, because there was, like, a thing, that an investigation of Henry Courtenay, who was Henry's first cousin. Mm. Yeah. Henry's just, like, killing off all his friends. But Jeffrey actually... I don't, I don't even know where I am anymore. Um, Jeffrey appealed to Thomas Cromwell, who had arrested and interrogated. Under interrogation, um, Jeffrey said that his eldest brother, Lord Montague, and the Mar- Marquess, like Henry Courtenay, um, had been parties to his correspondence with Reginald. So he was like, they were doing it too. <laughs> um, Lord Montague, um, Exeter, and Margaret Pole were arrested in November 1538. Um, in January 1539, Jeffrey was actually pardoned. I don't know why. Maybe because he gave them names. I don't know. But Margaret's son, Henry, Baron Montague, um, and cousin Exeter. So, you know, they were executed for treason. So now Margaret's son has been killed for treason, just like her father and her brother. Mm. She's just having a fun time. Um, In May 1539, um, Henry, Margaret... Exeter and others were attainted just as Margaret's father was. That meant that they lost their titles and their lands, which were mostly in the south of England, which were conveniently located to assist um, against any invasion. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, England's like an island, so if people come, they're going to come there first because, like, it's more direct, I guess, from France and Spain. Yeah. Um. As part of the evidence to, like, attain Margaret, um, Cromwell produced a tunic that bared, like, the five wounds of Christ, which is a symbol that symbolized her support for Catholicism um, and the rule of her son Reginald and Mary. Um, The supposed discovery, which was found six months after her house and effects were searched at her arrest, is likely to have been a fabrication. (laughs) They probably made it up. She was sentenced to death and could now be executed, like, whenever the heck she wanted. Yeah. Like, well, not she wanted, Henry wanted. Um, she's old now, too. She's like 67 or something-ish when she dies. Yeah. So she was now called just Margaret Poole, and she was held in the Tower of London for two and a half years. Yeah. She, her grandson Henry, so this kid, he's literally a kid, and I'm pretty sure that we don't know what ever happened to him. Like, he just, like, disappeared. Mm. A little creepy. Um, and Exeter's son were held together. Um, yeah, she was attended by servants and received an extensive grant of clothing in March 1541. A lot of people think Catherine Howard sent that to her. But the book I was reading said that she didn't. I don't know. Someone sent her money for clothes. Then Cromwell fell from favor and was executed. Oh. Neat. Um, the following poem was found carved on the wall of her cell. I don't know if this is actually true, but like I found it. Um, for traitors on the block should die. I am no traitor. No, not I. My faithfulness stands fast and so towards the block. I shall not go nor make one step as shall you shall see Christ in thy mercy. Save thou me. Might have been fabricated for, you know, getting her to be called blessed, but I don't know. <laughs> um, 
On the morning of May 27th, uh, Margaret was told that she was to die within an hour. It was 1541. She answered that no crime um, that she'd done had, like, been really told to her. Um, nevertheless, she was taken from her cell to the place within the precincts of the Tower of London where a low wooden block had been prepared instead of the customary scaffold. Because she was, like, of noble birth, she wasn't executed before, like, everyone. They weren't like, hey, people of London, you know it would be so fun for you to do today? An execution. They're like, yay. No, that didn't get to happen. It's a shame because, you know, that execution merch, it really sold. Um, Two written reports survived for execution. Um, Marillac, the French ambassador, wrote one. And Chapuis wrote one, ambassador to the Holy Roman Emperor, because, of course, (laughs) Chapuis was there. Um, Their accounts differ slightly. Um, Marillac's report, which was dispatched two days afterwards, um, recorded that the execution took place in the Tower of London with so people, so few people present than it present that in the evening news of her execution was like doubted. Um, Chapuis wrote two weeks after the execution that 150 witnesses had been present, including the Lord Mayor of London. Chapuis wrote um, that at first, when the sentence of death was made known to her, she found the thing very strange, not knowing of what crime she was accused nor how she had been sentenced. Um, and that because the main executioner had been sent north to deal with rebels, the execution was performed by a wretched and blundering youth who literally hacked her head and shoulders to pieces in the oh. most pitiful manner. Yeah, so she's like an old woman that's getting like Ooh. hacked to death. Um, a third, probably, a third like made up account um, states that Margaret refused to lay her head on the block um, saying so should traitors do and I am none um, according to the account she turned her head like every single which way instructing the executioner that if he wanted her head he should take it as he could um, that didn't like, happen I guess I don't know Margaret was buried in the chapel of St. Peter at Vincula within the Tower of London which is where uh, Anne Boleyn, George Boleyn, Jane Boleyn, Catherine Howard all those besties are all in there although Jane Boleyn and Catherine Howard are not in there yet they're going to join her there next year. Yeah. <laughs> the whole Boleyn family really just like that whole generation just Jeez. popped in except for Mary. Look at Mary go. Honestly, <laughs> pop off my queen. Um, her remains, Margaret's, or Margaret's remains were uncovered when the chapel was renovated in 1876. Um, her son, Reginald Pohl, said that he would never fear to call himself the son of a martyr. So I was like, my mom's a martyr, y'all. Um, she is kind of, she's regarded by Catholics as a martyr. And as we already mm-hmm. talked about, she was beatified. Um, she's commemorated in the dedication of the Church of Our Lady, uh, Queen of Peace and Blessed Margaret Pole in Southburn, Bournemouth. And her feast day is May 28th. Normally your feast day is like the day that you died on mm-hmm. when you're a saint or whatever. But it was already somebody oh. else's feast day. So they had to go oh. the day after. That's <laughs> nice. Sorry, Margaret. Yeah, so that's Margaret Poole. Please, someone listening, go read a book on her or something. Even if you read the Philippa Gregory one, I think it's one of her better ones. Let's let's not talk about the fact that people are getting mad that Anne Boyd is being played by a black woman, but they don't really seem to care that um, there's movies with her oh uh, incest. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Frances Gray. Literally. If we had enough information on her, she could be, like, a full episode because she um, has a nasty reputation, y'all. She, she is just like her cousin, uh, Mary. Huh. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, she is the mom of Lady Jane Grey. Yeah, um, people think that Francis, like, abused her and pushed her to become queen when she was 16. Uh, Imagine being 16. Oh, my God. Wow. And weak. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Tired. Frances Grey was the Duchess of Suffolk, just like her dad and her mom were the Duke and Duchess of Suffolk. What? Um, she was born Lady Frances Brandon. Um, on this, yeah, she was an English noblewoman. She was the second child and the eldest daughter of King Henry VIII's younger sister, Princess Mary, and Charles Brandon, first Duke of Suffolk. Wow. Grandma and Grandpa. Grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> um, she was the mother. Of Lady Jane Grey, de facto Queen of England and Ireland from the 10th of July until the 19th of July, 1553. She was also the mother to Lady Catherine Grey and Lady Mary Grey, both of whom made some questionable marital decisions during Elizabeth's reign. Wow. Yeah, and Elizabeth got pissed. <laughs> that Tudor temper also, and Elizabeth, poor Elizabeth, she did not get like a good luck of the draw of like <laughs> temperament, you know? Like, obviously, she's going to have anger issues with her parents. God. Um, Francis was born on July 16th, 1517. Um, wait. What zodiac sign does that make her? <laughs> Is July 16th. She's a cancer, just like her um, wow. Uncle Henry. <laughs> And your mm-hmm. sister. <laughs> Cancer. She's a oh, crab. Um, <laughs> that actually just made me really happy because it says that Cancers aren't compatible with Aries. Um, that's me. And that means that I'm not compatible with Henry VIII. So. Lucky you. <laughs> Grace, Cancers are most compatible Ew. with Virgo. You can marry Henry. No, you can marry Frances Brandon. She's she's chill. Who else is a cancer? I don't even know. Um, yeah, she was born in Hatfield, which is where Elizabeth um lived when she was a child. I don't know if um that's like the castle that she was born in, that's just like the area or whatever. Um she spent her childhood in the care of her mother. So pop off Princess Mary for um being at least a present enough mother that this website said that she spent her childhood in your care. Um, Although her father, Charles Brandon, um, had obtained a declaration of like nullity because he had gotten married um, earlier to Margaret Neville. um, He got like a thing of nullity because I don't know something. I can't actually pronounce the word and I don't know what it means. So y'all could just imagine. Um, In 1528, he secured a bull from Pope Clement VII that assured them of the legitimacy of his and Mary's marriage and therefore the fact that Francis was legitimate. Um, Yeah, bet you Mary was real jealous a few (laughs) years later. Yeah, Francis was really close to her Aunt Catherine, um, and she was a childhood friend of her first cousin, the future Queen Mary I. So Catherine... um, and Mary and, you know, Francis and I guess Eleanor. Eleanor's kind of younger, though, I think. But Francis was heavily on Catherine's Love side. Um, yeah. 
also Princess Mary, not um, future Queen Mary, Princess Mary, Duchess of Suffolk, um, was very heavily not for Anne Boleyn, and it was a bit of a problem. She, like, refused to, like, recognize her and stuff. But uh, Mary died before um, Anne became queen. So that was probably nice for her that she didn't have to be alive for that. Even though she died, like, ridiculously young. So that's not very fun. I love how people are like, oh, but, like, the Tudor kids, like, these are the three ones that survived, like, childhood. And they're, like, Mary, Henry, and Margaret. Mary died at, like, 40-something. Not even. Um, <laughs> like, 30-something, I think. Um, Henry died at, like, 51. Um, and Margaret died, like, a little earlier than that. Like, they didn't live, like, the longest <laughs> lives, guys. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, in 1533, Francis married Henry Grey, Marquess of Dorset. Once again, Mary Tudor is very jealous of her cousin. Um, marriage took, the marriage took place at Suffolk House. Um, Suffolk Place. Sorry, it's fancier than a house. Um, it was a mansion. Wow. Um, which belonged to her parents. Obviously, it's called Suffolk House. Um, Francis's first two pregnancies um, resulted in the births of a son and a daughter who both died young. Um, those were then followed by three surviving daughters. Um, Lady Jane Grey, who might have been born on the 12th of October. That's like when we think 1537, which means she was born like the same-ish day as Edward. Oh. Cousins, uh, besties, they were friends. So. Oh. <laughs> um, then... Yeah, then Lady Catherine Grey was born on August 25th, 1540. She died on <laughs> Henry's birthday, not Henry Tudor, our Henry. Um, she married Edward Seymour, Earl of Hertford. Yeah. Um, and Lady Mary Grey, 1545, somewhere in there. Um, she married Thomas Keyes. He ain't got no title, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um Frances is considered to have been a strong and energetic woman. Once again, not really surprising. Um, let's look at her parents. Bit, uh, bit crazy. They got married um, for love when they really weren't allowed to do that. So, obviously, mm-hmm. she's going to be pretty headstrong. Um, Frances's residence at Bradgate was like a minor palace in Tudor style. After the death of Frances's two brothers, um, the title Duke of Suffolk reverted to the crown after, I guess, her dad died. Um, and it was then granted to her husband as, like, a new creation. So it's, like, he's now the first Duke of Suffolk, I guess. I think that's how it works. Um, she saw to it that her daughters were very well educated. Yes. Pop off, I guess. I don't know. That's good. Around 1541, um, Bishop John Alimer was made chaplain to the Duke and tutor of Greek to Francis's daughter, Lady Jane Grey. Jane is obsessed with learning, just like her cousins Edward and Elizabeth. Um, as the niece of Henry VIII, Francis was frequently at court. Um, it was through her friendship with Catherine Parr um, that Francis's daughter, Jane, secured a place in the Queen's household. There, Jane came into contact with Henry's son and future successor, who was also her cousin, Edward. Um <laughs> Henry died on 28th of January, 1547, and Edward succeeded to the throne, and Jane followed Catherine Parr to her new residence um, with Elizabeth, and was soon established as a member of the inner circle of Edward. So basically, Jane and Elizabeth lived with Catherine Parr at her house, and they got, like, 
education there. But then um, Thomas Seymour did his little assault thing, and then Elizabeth got sent away, and Jane was still there. Yeah. <laughs> Francis was third in line to the English throne, following um, Edward's half-sisters, Mary and Elizabeth, because Henry's elder sister, because Mary is his younger sister, um, Margaret Tudor's descendants were removed from the succession. Um, that was because they were Scottish royalty. And then, like, the second batch of kids that she had, well, there was only one of them, was, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think she was, like, after all of them. But, like, she was, her legitimacy was questionable, I think. I don't know. I read a book on her a while ago. Um, that took place under the terms of the will of Henry VIII, which laid out the succession to the throne. Um, Catherine Parr then married Thomas Seymour. <laughs> um, Francis, her husband, and other members of the aristocracy saw Jane as a possible wife for Edward. They're second cousins. Um, yes. Yeah. I guess, like, keep it in the family. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Catherine Parr died on September 5th, 1548. Right. Yeah, fun. Um. Jane had to return home because obviously uh, there's no household anymore. But Seymour, on the other hand, nasty man, pressed the suffix with demands that he was the one who held Jane's wardship and therefore she should be returned to his household. So she did. Um, <laughs> Jane returned there and moved into Catherine Parr's right. apartments. I don't know. Maybe this Seymour literally is trying to marry like every single one of all of the little girls and all of, like older girls in the royal family, so maybe he thinks she's next. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he tried to marry Elizabeth. Tried to marry Mary. Married Catherine Parr. Who's next? Who's next? You know. Well, Seymour actually at this moment is trying to convince Edward to marry Jane, but Edward became distrustful of his two uncles. And you know what? I would too. They're like, "Hey, Edward, do this." No, Edward, do this. No, Edward, I said do this. Shut up, Thomas. <laughs> like. Um, an increasingly desperate Thomas Seymour invaded Edward's bedchamber in an attempt to kidnap him. Um, yeah. And shot Edward's dog when the animal tried to protect its oh. master. He murdered his nephew's dog. Oh. Edward doesn't have any friends. That's his dog. So obviously Edward is pissed. Um, so Seymour gets convicted for treason and executed on March 10th, 1549. This is obviously not just for killing the dog. It's also for trying to kidnap the king. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure Edward was like, my dog though, guys. I literally remember reading about that in that like fake Elizabeth diary thing. Yeah. I'm 95% sure that was in there. And I was like, what the heck? Um, yeah, so the suffix managed to convince the Privy Council of their innocence in Seymour's scheme, and Jane was, again, recalled home. So the Duke of Duchess lost, Duke and Duchess lost any hope of marrying her to Edward because he was sickly and everyone thought he was about to die. Um, yeah. For a time, it's claimed that they contemplated marrying her to Edward Seymour, first Earl of Hertford, who would later marry her sister, um, who was the son of the Lord Protector, also named Edward Seymour and Anne Stanhope. Um, however, um, the Lord Protector Edward fell from power and was replaced by John Dudley. Dun, 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 dun. John Dudley. Father of Robert Dudley, who maybe wow. Elizabeth banged. Virgin Queen. Who knows? 
Um, yeah. In May 1553, I can't do this anymore. Guildford Dudley. Oh. His name is Guildford. Oh if your name's Guildford, I'm sorry, but that's oh, a dumb sorry, name. Guildford's um, name. <laughs> I'm sure there's tons of you. Um, he's the second youngest son of John Dudley. Robert's older than him, I think. Um, John is the first Duke of Northumberland, um, and he is the de facto regent during Edward's minority. Um, Guildford marries Jane in May 1553. Um, yeah. Catherine Gray is married to Henry Herbert, um, who's the heir of William Herbert, first Earl of Pembroke. Pembroke is Anne's wow. titled nasty man. Whatever. It's not his fault. <laughs> it's Henry's fault. Um, Dudley's daughter, Catherine. I don't, know, I don't even, I can't even keep track. There's too many Catherines. Like, just name your kids different names. Um, was promised to Henry Hastings, who was the heir of the Earl of Huntingdon. At the time that they took place, the alliances weren't seen as politically important, um, not even by the imperial ambassador, um, Johan de Skyfi. Skyfi? Skyfi? I don't know. Um, he was the most suspicious observer, so he would have actually been watching them really closely. Um, they're usually perceived as proof of a conspiracy between Francis, her husband, and the Dudley um, I don't know what his wife's name his wife's name was John Dudley and his wife um to bring the Dudley family to the throne. They've also been described by other people who are like y'all these are literally just routine matches between aristocrats. They're okay. getting the best match for their kids. Obviously we won't ever know because they didn't write diaries. <laughs> um it's been claimed since the early 18th century that Lady Jane Grey was brutally beaten and whipped into submission for the marriage by Francis. Um, however, there's no historic evidence for it. Um, yeah, we don't know if she actually did that. It also might have just been Jane whining because she's a teenager yeah. and, you know, they're a little dramatic. Um, Lord Guildford was, because he was the fourth son, he wasn't like the greatest match for the eldest daughter of someone of royal descent. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The suffix didn't favor the match much um, because it would have meant passing the crown out of their family to Northumberland's because, like, it's not going to be, like, Jane Grey. It's, like, Jane Dudley, technically, I guess, who would be on the throne. Um, however, since Northumberland claimed to have Edward's support in the matter, like King Edward, they finally gave in. Um, the only historic proof of some sort of, like, family quarrel concerning the marriage is written down by Commendone. As the firstborn daughter of the Duke of Suffolk, Jane by name, who, although strongly deprecating the marriage, was compelled to submit by the insistence of her mother and the threats of her father. So that's not saying that her mom beat her. Maybe her dad was like, yo, kiddo, I'm a threat to you. But Francis seems to have been like, no, honey, you literally have to do it. I'm sorry, but you're doing it. But you know what? Moms do that all the time. So that ain't, like, <laughs> abusive. That's just <laughs> parenting. Um... By June 1553, Edward VI was seriously ill. Um, the succession of his Catholic half-sister, Mary, would compromise English Reformation, which Edward is, like, obsessed with. He's, like, um, Protestant, and his mom from like, <laughs> the afterlife is like, what? What? Um, she would have been so yeah. sad. Can you imagine? I, I just, I kind of feel bad, low-key. <laughs> 
Um, Edward opposed Mary's succession, not only on religious grounds, um, but also on those of legitimacy. Edward is kind of a little douchebag. Like, he's 15, right? Like, he, I'm sure to everyone who's, like, adults, that's, like, all such a baby, but to us, that's, yeah. like, all the boys that we're in school with. Um, they can be douchebags, so <laughs> I can easily picture Edward being a little butthead. But he's like, sorry, but Mary's not legitimate. Um, so, like, I don't think she can oh inherit. God. Also, she's not a boy. So, like, I'm sorry, but that also applies to Elizabeth. So he's like, oh, shoot, Elizabeth. Like, I know that you're, like, Protestant, but, like, if I say that Mary can't be the next queen, I can't say that you can be the next queen. Probably a good thing that he didn't, because, you know, Mary might have, like, killed Elizabeth <laughs> to get the throne. Um, and then, where would we be? They would have had to give it to one of the great kids anyways, because Mary would have died. Um, but he drafted a document um, in which he undertook to change the, the succession as had his father. Here's the thing, like, literally, I kind of feel bad for Edward. I mean, I don't feel bad because he's doing, like, kind of nasty things. He's literally taking his, his sister's birthrights away from them. But, like, no one ever literally, like, uh-huh. pays attention to his will. They all just pay attention to what Henry said in his. They're like, yeah, Edward did do that. But, like, Henry said this. So I think we're going to do what Henry said. And Edward's like, guys, I came after my dad. I I changed his will. And they're like, yeah, but like, no. So Edward passed over the claims of his half-sisters um, and settled the crown on his cousin, Jane Grey. He <laughs> was like, bye, Mary. Bye, Elizabeth. Hey, Jane. So in doing that, he also passed over Francis um, because... If we don't give it to Mary and Elizabeth, Francis is next in line. It's right. not Jane. So it's not clear to what extent Northumberland, whose son is married to Jane Grey. So if Jane Grey becomes queen, it's a half Northumberland kid who's going to be on the throne next. So Northumberland might have influenced his plan, whispered in his ear, you know, he's kind of sick. Yeah. Frances, and especially her husband, um, are said to have been at first outraged that she was passed over. I mean, kind of fair. I'm like, I'm like, excuse me, that is my, like, 15-year-old kid. <laughs> why um, why do I not get to be queen? I'm literally an adult. Um, but she had a private audience with Edward, and then she did renounce her own rights to the throne in favor of Jane. Don't know what Edward said, but I guess he was like, you know what, Frances? cousin francis who's like 20 years older than me (laughs) um too bad (laughs) edward died on july 6 1533 and jane was declared queen on july 10th um francis joined her for the proclamation and during jane's stay in the tower because you know like the queen stays in the tower um before she was fetched when Northumberland realized Jane's, like, confusion and um, panic and overwhelming feelings about being queen. And she managed to calm her daughter down. Which, that's nice, I guess. Um, since she saw Edward herself and actually spoke to him about the succession, she was able to convince Jane that she was the rightful queen and heir. So Jane doesn't think that she should be. She's like, uh, what about Mary? And Francis is like, no, honey, Edward said. And Jane's like, okay. Um, but that was short-lived because Jane was de- deposed by armed support in favor of Mary on 19th oh. of July, 1553. 
No more Jean Grey. No more. That TikTok sound? Yeah. No more Fortnite. No more cars. No more $19. Okay. The Duke of Suffolk was arrested, um, but he was released days later thanks to the Duchess's intervention. The moment she heard of her husband's arrest, she rode over to Mary in the middle of the night to plead for her family. Um, despite all odds, um, not only did the Duchess manage to be received by Mary, but she also secured her husband a pardon by placing all the blame on Northumberland. Like, I mean, this is Mary's <laughs> cousin, and they were kind of friends when they were kids. So Mary's like, I, I'll do it. Um, well, um, Northumberland was in, well, Jane was in Northumberland's household. She fell sick of food poisoning and then suspected Northumberland's family. Um, the Duchess used Jane's suspicions and her husband's sickness to accuse Northumberland yeah. of having tried to kill her family. Um, so therefore, Mary was willing to pardon the Duke of Suffolk. Mary's like, you know what? I just don't <laughs> want to kill like my cousin's husband. So sure, sure. Um, Mary also intended to pardon Jane once her coronation was complete. <laughs> Mary wanted to spare her, y'all. But then, then the Wyatt Rebellion happened. So Wyatt the Younger, who is uh, Thomas Wyatt's kid, Thomas Wyatt, still wow. causing trouble. <laughs> um, he declared a revolt against Mary on January 25th, 1554. The Duke of Suffolk um, joined the rebellion, but he was captured, and the revolt had failed by February. Um, the plot ringleaders had wished to supplant Mary with her half-sister Elizabeth um, because she's Protestant. Um, although it is not thought like there's no evidence that Elizabeth played any part in the matter. So Elizabeth get Elizabeth still gets sent to the tower, but she probably didn't officially do anything wrong. Um, Jane was now becoming too dangerous for Mary, unfortunately. Um, and she was beheaded on February 12th, 1554 alongside her husband. They are both kids. It's very sad. Um, cause they are kind of playthings. but Francis was confined mm-hmm. in the tower of London for a time. Yeah. <laughs> Jane's father was then convicted of high treason and executed 11 days after her on February 23rd, 1554. Um, but now um, Frances has two young daughters who are barely in their teens and her husband, who was a convicted traitor, um, she faces ruin because as a wife, she holds no possessions in her own right. Um, all her husband's possessions return to the crown because he's a traitor. Um, but she managed to plead with um, Mary to show mercy, which meant that she and her daughters had the chance of rehabilitation. Um, Mary's forgiveness meant that some of Suffolk's property would remain with his family or at least can be granted back at some later time. Mary, once again, is like, you know what? <laughs> cousin. Cousin. Friend. Um, sure. But Francis lived in poverty mm. during Mary's reign. Yeet. Um, Mary did make a point of placing her by her side. She was favored, but she was kept under Mary's observations. Mary's like, yeah, like, you can hang out with me, but, like, I'm going to watch you because I'm not 100% sure that I trust you completely. Um, She was still regarded with some suspicion, but um, in April 1555, the Spanish ambassador, Simon Renard, why does he sound French if he's Spanish? I don't know. Um, But he wrote of a possible match between Francis and Edward Courtenay, who was another Plantagenet mm-hmm. descendant. Um, once again, their children would have had to claim a claim to the throne. I don't know if maybe they're doing this so that they can uh, <laughs> eat Elizabeth out of the line of succession again. Um, but Courtenay was reluctant, and Francis was like, "How about no?" 
and she escaped the marriage um, by finding another much safer match. She married her master of the horse, um, Adrian Stokes. She's like, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull out my mom and marry uh, someone who's like below me. But it was a safe marriage for her because any children that she had from it would have been considered too low born yeah. to compete to the, for the throne, right? Because like they do have royal blood, <laughs> but their dad is a servant. So like <laughs> no one's going to put them above. And the other kids, um, her childhood friend, this is such a weird sentence, her childhood friend and stepmother, I'm sorry, Catherine Willoughby, um, yeah, our bestie, um, had married her gentleman usher after D- Charles Brandon died, um, so Frances kind of followed her stepmom as well, her stepmom yeah. is like her age, younger, I think younger, I think younger, um, <laughs> That's some like <laughs> modern family type beat, except for the fact that it's not an old man and a middle aged woman. It's a 13 year old and a middle aged man. <laughs> um, she and Stokes got married in 1555. Francis Gray died on November 20th, 1559. So that's a year after Mary died. Um, she was buried at Westminster Abbey. Um, Elizabeth paid for her entire burial and funeral and whatever um her daughter Catherine acted as the chief mourner and four years after her death her husband um crowned the grave with Francis Francis's effigy which still actually is there um and the inscription on her grave says in latin um nor grace nor splendor nor royal name nor widespread fame can aught avail all all have vanished here true worth alone survives the funeral pyre and silent tomb i don't know Guess they thought it was bougie. Um, Francis Francis Grace' posthumous reputation for being like insensitive and cruel is largely based on Roger Ashton's account of a statement of her daughter Jane. Um, she says, "For when I am the present in the presence of either father or mother, whether I speak, keep silence, sit, stand, or go, eat, drink, be merry or sad, be sewing, playing, dancing, or doing anything else." I must do it, as it were, in such weight, measure, and number, even so perfectly as God made the world, or else I am so sharply taunted, so cruelly threatened, yea, presently sometimes with pinches, nips, and bobs, and other ways which I shall not name for the honor I bear them, so without measure misordered that I think myself in hell. Yeah, from this passage, it was, and still is, um, deduced that Francis and Henry Gray had, like, mistreated their daughter, um, however, Ashim wrote these words years after the actual meeting um, and to promote the idea that children learned better under a kind tutor. Also, his view might have been influenced by the later events concerning the Gray parents. Um, the letter he wrote to Jane just a few months after they met speaks ad- admiringly of her parents and praises <laughs> on both of their virtues. Yeah. Um, James Haddon, who was the chaplain of the Greys, told his acquaintance Michelle Angelo Florio how Jane was following in her parents' footsteps concerning piety and how she was very, very close to her mom. Jane's age also certainly played a role in her words. Um, at the age of 14 and highly aware of like her brightness and people's admiration of it, it probably didn't sit well with Jane to still have to submit to her parents' authority. Um, the Tudor times demanded of all virtues obedience, and Jane was spirited enough to make even her teacher Alamer, Al, Al, Alamer, who she loved very much, that it was necessary to provide bridles for rest of horses. So I don't know. Who mm. was like, yeah, she's cry, cry buds. I don't know. Sorry about it. Um, the alleged abuse of her daughter, Ezra, as well as Francis's role in the machinations to bring Jane the crown, are the subject 
subject of historical debate. Um, While Jane was already with her husband, Guildford Dudley, under the supervision of his parents, um, she heard news that Edward was changing his will to exclude her mother from the succession and name Jane as his heir instead. (laughs) Jane, who was startled by the news, um, asked asked her mother-in-law permission to visit her mother, but she was told no. Um, She actually ignored her mother-in-law and sneaked out of the house and went back to go see her mom. But um, the evil mother of the myth was accused of having beaten Jane into submission to Mary Guildford and certainly would not have taken kindly from her daughter to her daughter running away from her husband. Um, However, Francis's claim of having opposed the match from the beginning is true. Um, Jane fleeing to her for help makes perfect sense. Um, In fact, Francis was actually noted for her hospitality and generosity. When her brother-in-law's children were orphaned, um, the Greys took them under their wings and raised them and paid for like all their stuff. As her biographer, Leanda Delisle, writes, um, since the 18th century, she has been used as the shadow that casts into brilliant light the eroticized figure of female helplessness that Jane came to represent. So it's like Snow White. We need, like, the evil queen to make Snow White seem more uh, helpless and uh, innocent. So, like, maybe she was abusive, but, like, we don't really have very much evidence for that um, other than a 14-year-old who said stuff but it was re-recorded like several years later also how does this man remember exactly what she said okay you know the little house on the prairie books (laughs) when i was little i literally thought that she remembered exactly what her parents said what her whole family said like word for word and just like wrote it all down like 20 years later and i was like that is so cool how could she do that? I can't do that. She obviously, spoiler, didn't do that, everyone. She just like knew things that happened and made up stuff that she felt that her family might have said and even edited some stuff too. But yeah, that is 110% what I thought she was doing. Um, you, you can't exactly recall verbatim conversations that you had multiple years in the past. It's not usually how it works. Um, Maybe if you have, like, a perfect memory, but, like, yeah, yeah I thought that Laura Ingalls Wilder was, like, a, a genius. I was yeah. like, she's literally a god. How does she do that? For, like, a billion books, too. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone needed to, like... Then I, like, read that she did. <laughs> was like, hold up. What? I was so, like, disappointed. <laughs> it, like, ruined my childhood. It actually didn't. Um... Yeah, so wow. that is it, everybody. Isn't this I love fancy, fancy, Nancy, fancy, fancy, little... fancy Nancy? I dressed up as Fancy Nancy oh, for um, Literacy did. Day in like a grade one that. or grade two. No, it was grade, I think it was grade, no, Cooper was at school and I was in grade <laughs> one too. Yeah, I don't know. Cooper was also there. He dressed up as Super Cooper from the book that he had. Because we both have books that were sewn for that. us about our superhero selves. Cute. Yeah, and I have one about when I was born. Yeet. <laughs> my grandma sewed it. Shout out to my grandma. Um, yeah, so like... Woo. I don't even know. Thanks for listening, y'all. Um, my y'all. parents get mad at me for saying y'all. Yeah. It's because of the internet. <laughs> It's because everyone uses y'all yeah. in like text posts and stuff, so it's how I talk now. Also, Katie and Nathan kind of like shoved that in my vocabulary. Cause they're from Texas <laughs> where they actually use y'all. 
<laughs> not Ontario, Canada. Whatever, it's fine. So, like, people, go follow us on Instagram at not so bloody Mary underscore delightful. podcast, where I post delightful memes. They're so fun. <laughs> They're actually not, but like, I literally don't care. Um, yeah. Go follow us on Twitter because Now That Queen's <laughs> podcast is our sole follower on Twitter. I'm so much more dedicated to um, posting on there. <laughs> They're literally our only follower. We had two That's followers so and sad. then our other follower unfollowed us. <laughs> but it was well, like a person. Nice. I'm pretty sure it was a bot. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you to the people that have actually followed us on yeah. Instagram. We've had a few people that have followed us. Um, thanks to Katie for you. following us on Twitter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she doesn't like. She just followed us because we followed them. <laughs> that she doesn't like listen. So, Katie, if you do, I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally, like way too emotionally attached to your voice um yeah just like go follow grace on tiktok at um the lovely underscore bookworm and like okay um so what should they do today grace i see all the the baskets of laundry on your floor go fold your clothes go fold your clothes right now you just called me <laughs> I, I have to do that too. It's okay. <laughs> you literally. I know. I literally three baskets literally on my floor. Not exactly. Like... Uh, go fold okay. your clothes. Yeah, guys. Go do that. And like. Go. Dog. Hug. A chair. Um, a... Go hug a chair. Yeah, what if they don't have a dog? Or what a if pillow. they're allergic? Hug a pillow. Yeah. Scream into the void. Hug a pillow. Ah. Can you imagine being <laughs> named um, Guildford? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that you are all amazing and fantabulous and so, so cool. <laughs> and you should go listen to Bop to the Top from High School Musical and go <laughs> do like the... <laughs> Yeah, you should go do that right now because I did it. Um, also, you should go listen to Oprah saying, Are, were you silent or were you silenced? <laughs> go find those memes because they're funny on TikTok. Um, yeah, love, love all of you very much. So chill. You're very, you're very chill. So chill. Um, pieces, pieces, and candy. I don't know. Bye.